Hello and welcome to the 13th Hour Podcast. This is episode number 422. I'm your host, Josh Oblom. And today we have an interesting episode in that it was recorded over the period of about six months in three separate occasions. Intended to be one thing, turned into something else, uh, but that's okay, that's the way it goes. And I basically wanted to do a one-month follow-up and then a what turned into a six-month follow-up. And so you'll see that, that'll make more sense in a minute. But it's an episode that's all about sort of the power of the mind to do things we didn't necessarily think were possible. In this, partic- uh, in this particular case, uh, do things like healing injuries and in uh, speeding up progress. And so it references a past episode way back in episode 96, which is from about five years ago, June of uh, 2017. What I was talking about in that particular episode, with the link will be in the show notes, which go into more detail there, but it references a, a section in a book, Zen in the Martial Arts by Joe Hyams, which I believe is uh, from a chapter called Confident Seeing, and it's all about visualization specifically for injury uh, rehabilitation which we will talk about in uh, the mid part of this podcast. Because I was recording this sort of in real time, uh, some of it audio-wise is really not very good. I was recording some of it in the car, and so you'll have to excuse that. I did I did my best with the uh, the editing, but uh, still the the audio leaves something to be desired because it was it was done in a car. I, I think you should be able to hear what's going on. And uh, midway through the podcast, I will come back and give an explanation, just a review of uh, this visualization technique that I'm talking about. It may sound kind of confusing, but without getting too far far into it, I'm going to let myself just introduce. The podcast and just listen along and you'll see what's going on. I'm doing something a little bit different this time. I am, for this episode, I am actually recording this sort of in real time. Uh, I'm actually in the car and I'm driving to my town's local gymnastics gym. It is actually snowing. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of cold outside. But what they have is an open gym tonight. And so this is something that I did a lot of when I was in college. And it often was on a Friday night, just like today. I remember we would get together and get a van and go over to a gym that uh, that would host us for uh, it was like basically five dollars each. Of course, that was uh, that was over twenty years ago. So that has changed, obviously, in terms of cost, but the same concept is still there in that a gymnastics school opens up their facility and people in the community who may or may not know how to do gymnastics are welcome to come use the equipment. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, usually gymnastics schools do not do this, especially for adults. They tend to be more kid-oriented. And for adults, meaning like, you know, people over 18, it kind of stops. It kind of falls off. I don't really know why. They, they don't have a lot of programming or any programming for adults. When I was running the 13th hour, I one of the things I did was I wanted to include a little bit of the training sequences and stuff like that that I kind of knew from aspects of the martial arts and from gymnastics. I envisioned a training hall, a really large one with mat, large you know, soft mat, um, bunch of like pits and things to jump into and other things like that, mirrors on the walls, 
all the things that I kind of knew uh, from growing up and doing that sort of stuff. Well, growing up, meaning like through high school, I didn't do any of this. I knew most of this stuff, and that was before that. And I think learning acrobatics and, or how to roll and do things like that really kind of does a couple things other than just helping you do those movements, which, you know, to be honest with you, in a lot of parts of life, I mean, you're probably not going to use. The rolling actually is quite helpful. Learning, learning how to fall correctly is, is really handy. Learning how to do handsprings and flips and stuff like that, I mean, it's kind of more limited. I mean, it does teach you air sense and ability to face your fears. I think that's actually a really big one. Uh, the ability to work towards a goal, uh, work toward a progression of things, and then, you know, eventually accomplish your goal. In that sense, I think that's, you know, it's very helpful. Often people learn different kinds of things, like different kinds of springs, like kips and rolls and things like that in martial arts contexts. Because you might be grappling and you know, people are on the ground. Uh, being able to fall safely <laughs> is really handy. In that sense, like if you take away like the movie aspect where people are going flipping all over the place, I mean, you know, that's a whole different thing. But uh, if you take away just the, uh, that show, showmanship aspect of it, um, there actually are some good practical uses of it. So that was like 20-some years ago. Uh, in the meantime, I've, of course, continued in various ways. I've continued to practice many of those techniques, but not generally in a gymnastics facility. So it might be outside in the grass. It might be, you know, with some smaller mats and things like that. And so I'm quite looking forward to doing this. I have not done this. It's been quite a while since I've ever since I've had I've been able to find a facility that will do this and in my own town that's really pretty stoked about it. Now there is some anticipation, I'm not going to lie. Definitely some jitters. I'm not sure what my body will be able to do. Uh, that, that's that's the way it goes. I know it will not be the same. That's one of those things that happens with age. So we'll see. So I will uh, stop here and go into the gym. Hey, so it's actually been about a month since I actually recorded that last piece. And so some interesting turn of events. One, uh, as I was going into the, uh, the gym, I totally forgot to do any more recording, <laughs> which is, which I was going to like kind of like document as I was doing it. No, totally forgot to do it. The next thing actually was I was doing a couple things, you know, I warmed up and was doing some basics, you know, handstands, some rolls, you know, some backflips and things like, you know, st- stuff that's, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with. Then I went over to the floor. Now, gymnastics gyms often have a spring floor on it, meaning like there are springs that are, it's kind of like a spring mattress. So there's springs. And then there's usually a layer of, uh, there's a mat on top of that. Um, usually it's separated by a board, like a, a wooden board. And so this the board will bounce up and down. And then there's a, a relatively thick mat on top of that. It varies. Sometimes there's layers of foam underneath uh, instead of the springs. But Anyway, there's a, there's a spring floor, which is quite nice, and it, it's covered with sort of a like a rough carpety kind of surface, so it grips when you when you're doing tumbling and stuff like that. And then, for whatever reason, I don't know, they uh, there happened to be like a a thin layered air mattress or not air mattress. It's like a inflatable air tramp, but it was very thin. I didn't quite know what it was, and I was like, bouncing on it. 
And I was like, huh, I don't really know what that is. But so I, uh, there was some mats set up and people were doing front flips and, you know, other, other kinds of techniques into those. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll do those. I haven't done those in a while. One thing I did not anticipate was the spring in the spring floor with the, this little bouncy, um, air, air track on it. I totally underestimated that, underestimated that when I, I did a front flip and I, the, that was the only one I did. I landed almost, almost totally like uh, straight with straight, which is unusual for me. I usually land with some bend in your knees. Front flips are weird in that you land blind, meaning like you can't actually see the the floor very well unless unless you're really high, but uh, which most of the time you're not um, if you're like uh, an everyday Joe like me. But with this one, with the with the the spring floor and the bouncy track, I landed, you know, with almost like. Bent, uh, n- no bend in my legs. And I stepped forward and uh, there was a, a horse right in front that people were jumping off of. And in order to, I kind of st- took a step, I think to the side or whatever, because I kind of, I was about to over rotate and hit that horse. And I took a step to the side and something happened and I felt a pop in my leg. And I was like, oh shit. And it was my hamstring. And I had pulled a hamstring like probably about 20 minutes into the open gym, which sucks. Which I actually, interestingly enough, I've never actually pulled a hamstring before, but I knew it the minute it happened, and I was like, "God damn it!" You know, I I don't want to like just leave, right? The, the that's probably what I should have done, but I I didn't want to just leave, so I like I was wearing two shirts. <laughs> I took one shirt off and I wrapped it tight, right? If you get an injury, you're like rice, right? Rest, ice, compression, and elevation. So I wrapped it. That was the compression part. I wrapped it tight, and I was like, "Okay," with a t-shirt. Um, and I figured, okay, well, what can I still do? I did some other stuff that didn't involve any impact. I did some like, you know, upper body stuff on the rings and a few other things that weren't too crazy. I called it a night and I went home and I iced it. So the, the rest of this episode, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about what I did because I think it may be, it refers back to an episode that I did a, a number of years ago. There's a piece that I thought I'd talk about that's a little passage from Zen and the Martial Arts, which was, it's been very helpful for me whenever I've gotten an injury kind of like this. Hamstrings take a long time to heal. So I'm actually recording this about one month after, as I mentioned. And so I thought I would do it one month later because they, the same uh, gym had another open gym. And so it was a month later. I, they, I don't know if they changed the date or I just had written it down wrong or whatever. I think either one, it doesn't really matter, but I happened to check just just to confirm it because I actually thought it was next week and I thought I had another week to kind of rehab my hamstring and uh, it was actually today and I was like ah crap is it ready I've been doing stuff each day and I'll talk about like kind of what I did but I talk about been doing stuff each day to kind of make it to in the rehab process you know things I, at this point like are about 70 or 80 percent and I figured you know it's as good as it's going to be for today I'm gonna I'll wrap it and I'll wear some, I actually wear, wore a pair of like long underwear underneath to kind of like, you know, keep things kind of tight. Um, so it's very gymnast-like, you know, gymnasts wear tights, you know, their uniform, like my, my uniform in high school was like, you have a, like a pair of tights, which no, none of us, we all hated. But in some sense, like when they actually fit closely, they, they kind of like, you know, they do the whole compression thing, which can, you know, supposedly increase blood flow and stuff like that. But I, I don't, I don't know. I was really just hoping that it would help me warm up, which it did. Um, and I wore a pair of warm ups on top of that. And I spent a good time, a uh, good amount of time on the warm up. I did some basics, rolls, handstands, backflips, 
just like before, I was like, I was wondering how the backflip would go. Just, I didn't do anything. I didn't do any tumbling into it because that I, I figured would probably strain my my hamstring probably more. I was not quite ready for that just yet. I can, I, at this point, I can touch my toes. It's, it, it is still not, it's not great, like, you know. And uh, so I, my, I, I lost some flexibility there, which is still, which is to be expected in the process of, you know, the, the, the muscle is tight and it needs to be still continue to be stretched and strengthened. But it was okay. That, that, that movement of, you know, the, the, the takeoff part, the squat, the jump, the tuck w- was fine. The first one was a little bit iffy. Then after that, it was, yeah, it was okay. So that one went, went okay. Did some dive rolls. What else did I do? I didn't do any front flips. I didn't do anything new. I, I promised my wife I was going to go kill myself and I didn't do anything crazy. So I just mostly wanted to show up and, uh, you know, kind of just do some basics, you know, get the blood flow going and just see how things would go. And it actually went pretty well, I would say, for where I am right now. So I thought the rest of this time, I'd actually talk a little bit about kind of what I did because I didn't do anything that was really that different from my normal everyday thing. But I, I'd like to talk a little bit about what the everyday thing is and then a mental exercise, which I think can be helpful even if you can't do anything physical. So let's get into this visualization technique that I have referenced. This, as I mentioned in the introduction, is something that is from a book called Zen and the Martial Arts. Uh, you can see a link to it in the show notes, um, which if you go back to episode 96, there's actually some screenshots or not screenshots, uh, pictures of the um, of the text, and you can look at it in more detail there. But the the story there is that um, a karate teacher uh, broke his hand, and he was he was putting on a demonstration for his students, and I think he broke his hand trying to punch through a whole bunch of like cement blocks or something like that, and it was going to be one of these one of these injuries that would take a really long time to heal according to what the doctors had told him he was put in a cast and they said well, you're not going to be able to do a whole lot with that hand so you you know you'll be lucky essentially to be able to use it uh, at some point but probably far far in the future so the the technique that he used when he got home is that he would basically visualize these little men basically working on his hands and uh basically stitching it back together, you know, all kinds of like little, little, little men, like construction style. I, when I was reading it, I honestly pictured that the little guys in Fraggle Rock, you know, kind of like uh, working behind the scenes and he would visualize this every day. And it was in, in great detail. And then, you know, when he went back for a follow-up visit, uh, they, they were really surprised to see how well his, his hand had knitted back together. Uh, and then it was, but, but it seemed kind of stiff, uh, and, uh, which you would expect from an injury like that. It just happened much sooner than, than they expected. And then he, so he went back and he visualized the same little men going to work throughout the night. And, uh, he, he visualized them using like lubricating equipment, things to basically loosen up those joints within a, a relatively short period of time. Uh, he was able to use that hand again. And the, the process of doing this, which they, they anticipated would take a year. I mean, that obviously that's an estimate anyway, but it, it, re- it required 10 weeks. So, you know, a couple of months. And then he was able to complete the demonstration. And then, then the author talked about how he had once had a sinus infection and uh, he, he basically visualized a little snowblower going through his airway passages 
or maybe it wasn't sinus infection. I don't know. It was, uh, oh, it, you know, it was, it was like, I don't know, something like bronchitis or something like that. But anyway, it was, it was, uh, a little snowblower going through his air airways and basically clearing things. I, I've always remembered this particular thing and I've tried it a number of different times and it's, it's always been really pretty one. It's comforting because I think because I've done it a number of times and I have this association with this book, but also it's, it's, it's comforting because it actually does work. At least it has for me. So after this particular hamstring injury, I did it again. What, what I visualized was I visualized, um, the muscles, basically the, the muscles themselves, the, uh, being um, basically massaged. I, I I imagined that they were actually lengthening, almost, and and at times I visualized actually spring, like like I, them being like springs, and them being uh, stretched out, because that's what I wanted them to do. When you know when things get um, tight, uh, when they've been injured, they stay they stay tight, and it's it's. Um, that leads to stiffness. And one of the issues that people have sometimes with uh, a pulled muscle or something like that is that uh, you'll develop scar tissue over those areas, which is thick and doesn't really stretch. And so, you know, you want the muscles to be gradually lengthened. And so that's what I would envision uh, in the morning and then at night. And I would also envision the muscles basically being massaged with like hands. And I'd also imagine that that they were he- basically heating up in the process, and so that I would I did that for those couple of weeks. Uh, I mentioned in the first at the first point that was it turned out to be March. It was snowing outside, and then the the second part that I had recorded was in April, so it was it was about a month later, and so I'd been doing that every day since that point you know, twice a day. After that point, things uh, got better uh, in the next month. And then we're, we're pretty much back to normal. So the, the healing process, I would say, I'd always learned or I'd always kind of arbitrarily been told that it would probably take a, a couple months probably to heal from a hamstring injury. Um, I would say it, it, things were pretty much back to normal after about four or five weeks. Um, and after that, it was it was just the f- sort of fine tuning after that. Uh, there weren't, weren't a whole lot of issues, complications from it. I think, you know, because there was a visualization and I used massage as well, like physical massage, not just mental, you know, like um, virtual massage, I guess you could say. I, I actually used a foam roller uh, for the first couple of days. I, I followed like the, you know, resting, icing, compression pretty religiously I would try to elevate when I could the the leg so that really kept the swelling down I did that for probably about a week uh, fairly consistently but um, and then after that uh, I, I didn't wrap it anymore I didn't really need to but it did take about a week for a bruise to form which is oddly enough that that was the the swelling was really fairly minimal with all that and so I have to but things were quite tight uh, I remember trying to do kicking and stuff like that. And I, I really kept that to a minimum because I felt I didn't want to exacerbate it. So I tried to do uh, things that would get the muscles active and warm, but not necessarily uh, re-injure it. With all of that, I mean, that really helped, I think, to speed things along. The I think the visualization added a 
a component um, where I could do it much more frequently, though, because there were these periods of time in the morning and then and the in the evening when I could really kind of zone in and focus on what was going on. And it became, initially it was something new and unfamiliar, but it became familiar and comforting. And so when I've had issues subsequently, like, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, I, I strained a, a muscle in my upper back, you know, I did the exact same thing. And it was, you know, it probably took a couple of days, but I mean, with that particular very same technique, visualization technique, as well as some light stretching and stuff like that. I mean, it was pretty much back to usual very, very quickly. It was a really direct reflection of the, I guess, probably just the power of focus. I'm going to, I'm going to turn it over to a, uh, what I just recorded the other day, a six month follow-up. Then we'll wrap up from there. Hello. So this is a couple months after the last recording. So just looking back, I last recorded a session in April. And that was about a month after I had pulled my right hamstring. Uh, I'm actually recording this last part in September. It's about six months since that particular issue. And uh, I, I thought I would just do a follow-up uh, a number of months later. The issue is totally, you know, the, the tightness that I noticed and everything like that last time is totally gone. And in fact, I'm actually probably more flexible now than I was when I recorded that. And, uh, and I have been in a while, probably because I've made a habit of stretching more often. When I hurt my, or got, you know, pull, pulled that muscle way back in March, um, I was, you know, I, I've been, uh, you know, just generally pretty active. And, uh, but I would say the one thing that I've noticed over the past five to ten years is just decrease in overall flexibility. And I think that probably comes with getting older and so forth. But part of it also, I think, comes from you know, more time spent, you know, sedentary or standing, one or the other, or more time spent running or walking without stretching afterwards, and uh, particularly like hamstrings and hips, lower back, I noticed that there was a lot of tightness there, so I would I would try to kind of reverse it, but, you know, stretching is kind of, it's not very interesting, I mean, you're sitting there, I, I tried uh, like reading books, like that, but I wouldn't do it consistently enough. So one thing I really started doing after I pulled that hamstring is I started stretching each night. And I started doing just a little bit. And I was like, all right, if I can just do a little bit, you know, at nighttime or at throughout, other, you know, throughout, throughout the day here and there, it'll be just, it'll be much easier. And I've gotten into a habit now of doing stretching before I go to bed. It's not a lot. I would say I do um, a couple basic things, uh, like a little bit of qigong, tai chi, kind of like get myself in the the uh, in the zone. Just like, you know, a couple, it's not long, 10 seconds, whatever, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And then, you know, a hamstring stretch uh, for probably 10 seconds, then, yeah, about like 40 seconds total, like, you know, going further and further down into it, just like reaching down and touching my toes. And I'll sit on the floor um, and do, uh, like, butterfly, like a groin stretch. Uh, that's another area that's definitely been neglecting. I've noticed it, like, with kicking and things like that, it's harder to do that because I don't spend as much time doing it. You don't necessarily need to be flexible in a static sense to be able to kick high, but it sure helps. 
And uh, so there's that. I also will stretch out my hip flexors. That's one part that really uh, is important, you know, in terms of reducing lower back tightness, uh, especially if you sit a lot. Then I will uh, sit in like a, a straddle and uh, stretch out, you know, the left, the right, and then the center, and then also, you know, tuck one leg in and then stretch out and, you know, use those, uh, get a good stretch from the hamstring. You know, each, each probably about 20 seconds. So it's not, not a lot. It takes like 10, 5 to 10 minutes, I would say, depending on how uh, how quickly I do it. So not not a, not a terribly long time. Um, and it might end with some meditation. So all said and done, I would say it probably takes, yeah, probably about 10 minutes, I would say. Um, maybe 15 minutes if I'm trying it out. But the, uh, I guess the biggest thing that I noticed is that the uh, addition of little habits over time actually made a really big difference. Um, when I would do the nighttime meditation, one thing that I would do actually is I would basically uh, imagine my uh, my leg as a spring, basically, and I would imagine it stretching out. And I do I would do that for my lower back and other areas that were also tight. And that's the that's that part in Zen and the Martial Arts that. Um, I probably had first reference when I talked about this. That visualization is part of the active meditation that I'll usually wrap up with. You know, I often will imagine, uh, initially it was on my leg, it was imagining it being massaged and the muscles kind of lengthening out. Um, since it's gotten better, I just typically do it for areas that are tight, which by the end of the day usually is, I would say, lower back and sometimes other, uh, other areas like my shoulders and neck. Like that. But usually I would say lower back and along my spine. And um, so that actually has helped a lot, that little nighttime routine. And I also probably will do it some during the morning when I, uh, usually when I wake up, I'll do kind of a, like, a, like a mini workout. It's, it's not much. It probably takes about 15 minutes. It's very much like in the 13th hour I wrote about Logan waking up. Or I don't know if he was first thing in the morning. I don't know. But it was a daily thing when he was when he was in uh, a jail cell, uh, like a dungeon cell. He would do exercises when he got he was initially sick and then he was kind of depressed. And um, but when he when he got as he was getting better, he started doing exercise and he would just do it a little bit at a time. And I've doing, done variations on that for years, but I would say over the last year and a half. I mean, I think I have started just getting up and making it a morning habit of doing that. As, to me, it feels like a morning cup of coffee. And without it, the day does not quite feel right. And so I really find it very helpful. If I don't do any other formal exercise that day, at least there was that. So I, I don't know necessarily how much that helps me make gains but it definitely helps me start out the day right, and I think it helps me maintain some level of agility and flexibility uh, and strength without a lot of time. But anyway, I, I'm recording this after, uh, at this, this particular time, specifically because I just came back from an open gym session. So I was actually considering not actually going today. It's uh, my town. There's a, a gymnastic school. They have a once-a-month adult open gym, which is, awesome and so cool that they have that and uh 
but I was, our entire family's been sick this past week. I was not feeling great. I was just kind of feeling like lightheaded and kind of out of it today. Either I'm coming down with something, I have something, or whatever. One thing I will say, regular exercise, I think, does help your immune system, I've heard, because it's a stress for your body, right? But it's a positive stress. So I think, I think when I do get sick, it doesn't tend to be as bad. But anyway, just feeling out of it today, regardless, and I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't go, you know. I just got over this other injury. It's like, you know, you know, get one again, you know, and then you get further set back. But I went. I said, you know what, F it. I'm going to go, and we'll just kind of take it easy and make sure to get a good warm-up. And that's the other thing. It's like, obviously, as you get older, you need to spend more time on the warm-up. So I did that, and I had a great session. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Some days you feel on. Other days, you know, you don't um, for reasons I don't know to understand. But so I think it just goes to show that sometimes, like, you know, we can talk ourselves out of things. As, as well as we can talk ourselves into things. And uh, so follow-up from, you know, this particular thing is that the little steady gains and positive visualization really, I think, did make a really big difference because really within a couple of weeks, I would say four, three to four weeks, things were pretty much back to normal, and uh, they have stayed that way since. So I think those things have really helped. So... I want to thank you guys for listening. This is sort of an unusual uh, podcast form. I recorded it over the course of six months. Yeah, six months. So, but uh, uh, it relates in, I think, a lot of ways to aspects of the 13th hour that I was trying to convey when I was writing it, which is that, uh, you know, things can be a certain way if you if you visualize them so, if you, if you know them to be so in your heart. And uh, you just have to convince yourself that that is. I'm going to sign off at this point. So thank you, and uh, I will talk to you guys in the future. Hey, a couple last-minute things before you go. Thanks for listening to this show. If you liked it, you can find many more on the website, 13thhr.wordpress.com, or on your favorite podcasting platform. You can often find behind-the-scenes information about this show and other things that I do on social media, such as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll see links to those in the show notes. Sometimes people will ask me, how can I help contribute to the show or other things that, that I do? And probably one of the easiest ways is by going over to Facebook and looking up the Facebook group called 13th Hour Arts. And it's a place for not only to discuss these kinds of things, but also for you to share your own creative process and the things that you're doing that bring meaning to your life. You can also do things that are entirely free, such as leaving a review for a book, music, this particular podcast, share it with friends, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, email me, W-R-I-T-E-J-O-S-H-U-A-B-L-U-M at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions and comments. You can also leave a one-time donation over at Coffee, and that's K-O-F-I slash 13THHR. It's basically like a virtual tip jar, kind of like the sort of thing like a piano player might have at a bar or something like that. For a small amount, you can also leave a donation on a monthly basis at Patreon, and that helps bring new things to this particular show and to support future projects. And that's at 13th Hour Arts. It's also a place for patrons to share their own creative process and the things that bring inspiration and meaning to them. I hope by sharing a little bit of the creative process in this particular show, it gets people to cultivate that aspect of their own life and to remember that those things are important even if you are an adult and you may not have time for it. Hopefully by paying attention to those aspects of your own life, you can remember your own dreams and aspirations and help create a world and make a world that you want to be in. And at the end of the day, that's sort of what the 13th hour is about. So thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week.